champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm gonna continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will I not, not lose. I'm a bad man. I took up the world. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. Yes, he is the DB of the show, and we are black in sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom. Hey, man, we're laughing at it all, covering all while providing a platform to be heard. So you all know what we do about this time. We got to welcome in our guests, all right? So our guest, he personifies dedication and perseverance okay you know just a little college mvp with a 12-year pro career right so that's you know overseas and in the league so he's going to definitely tell us about that journey uh emmy award winner so yeah he's got one of those statues somewhere in the house in the crib right now so we'll hopefully hear a little bit about that you know as the voice of the indiana Pacers, he's been a coach and he still coaches right so on the field off the field coaching in, in many lanes but currently he is the lead financial advisor so please please take the time and clap it up for our guest eddie Gill, the third. <laughs> yes, sir. So, Eddie, man, how we start the show, man, we get right into it, man. We don't hold no bars, man. So let's just jump into it. We, we like to start with a shoot your shot moment, okay? So with a shoot your shot moment, you can do it any time period in life. It could have been how Mrs. Gill became Mrs. Gill, or it could have been, you know, you doing somebody dirty on the court. But just a life lesson, man. So uh, a time where you shot your shot. It could have been a win. It could have been a loss, man, but to, or a lesson. But shoot your shot moment, man. Give it to us. Yeah, man. Uh, shoot your shot moment just off the top would, would probably be um, North Carolina NCAA tournament 1999. Um, Let's go. That, was, that was something where, um, you know, M said lose yourself in the moment. So that's that's what that's what I did. That's what our team did. And um, you know, it was a, it was a time when we definitely was like, hey, we're just gonna shoot our shot and and, and see where see where it lands. And um, we we came out victorious. So that's a that's a, that's a big time moment from a basketball perspective for sure. Right on, right on. Eddie, where'd your love for sports start? Man, as a kid, uh, my father put a basketball in my hands at a, at an early age. I fell in love with it. Um, and, and, you know, I, you couldn't get me off the court, to be quite honest with you. You know, you know it was back in the day, as, as you guys may know, uh, where the playground raised a lot of us. Um, and it definitely raised me in terms of me and being able to hone in my not only just my skill set, but just competitive nature. Um, you know, playing with older guys, that kind of thing. And I just absolutely fell in love with the game. And uh, it, it's been good to me ever, ever since. Love it. I love it. So so born all right, in New Jersey. Right. So but people really recognize you from Denver. So that's where yeah. I'm going to kind of, I'm just going to let it go from there. Right. So, cause we're going to follow up with some questions, but yeah. So yep. born in Jersey and then ball playing kind of growing up in Denver, man, how was that kind of coming up? Yeah, it was a stark contrast, you know, from East coast to West coast uh, to some degree. And, you know, the cultures are different lifestyles, a little bit different in terms of, um, you know, things that you, you, you do from day to day. Basketball is prevalent in both places. Um, but I, I'd say New Jersey summertime is where I really uh, locked in on the game in terms of that's where I played at the playground all the time, right? Um, I did a little bit in Denver, but I would always go back to the, to Jersey in the summer to stay with my grandparents. Um, but but Denver's a low-key city in terms of putting talent out um, that, that, that a lot of people don't know about. Um, so, you know, coming up in high school, there was definitely guys that was going to play Division One basketball. Um, pro basketball isn't for everybody, but it was a couple guys that was able to get out and get that done as well. So um, it's definitely a, a city that's under the radar in terms of putting out uh, high-level talent. 
Yeah, I'm about to get my fandom out the way because uh, <laughs> because uh, EJ didn't mention Hall of Famer, and I know you are the the local Hall of Famer, especially at uh, Overland High School. I went to Overland. Yeah. I'm, 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 I, yeah, I'm, I know, I know Levar. Like that's that's my man's. Like we we play little league football together. I remember you back in the day, and I'm just gonna sound weird, but my older brother Ben Hayes, and then real close what? family, was, yeah, was BK Brian Kelly. Yeah. Were, so I remember you because I mean they they play they they were football players, but they was always like, hey, you know when somebody's name is just Eddie Gill, like you don't have you just they wouldn't like just Eddie, like no Eddie Gill can hoop. Like you were a little younger than them, but they were like, no, this dude. He's for real. He's nice. He can hoop. So I, yeah. I, I always kind of knew who you were and kind of followed your career. And then when EJ was like, yeah, Eddie Gill coming, I'm like, the Eddie Gill? Or like, <laughs> there's only one Eddie Gill I know. It's the only one I know, right? Bro, that is so Man. crazy. Yeah. 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 BK yeah. and the BK, I don't I remember Ben Hayes. They was like uh, one, of, one or two years older than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they was getting it done. BK went to USC and did his thing. Yep, for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah that, and really, Overland is a football school. Correct. Um, you know what I mean, and and uh, but yeah, that that is so crazy. Yeah, the yeah. fact that you don't, you know, my brother. Uh, yeah, crazy. no, Lavar's my guy. We, I was telling EJ before we got on, we we played with the it's called the AYFL Raiders. Our first, the Ra- I thought we played the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, tackle football team, and it was me, uh, Lavar, and this other kid named Billy Brown's only three black kids on the whole team. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, we we got loose, man. But uh. Talk about Overland basketball a little bit. I know back in the – everybody knows Chauncey Bills from that era, but yes, obviously you held your own there too. Just kind of talk about the, the, the high school scene and then obviously moving into to college. Yeah, man. Uh, Overland, like you said, is, is, is a football school. Um, you know, they was always in the, you know, the Final Four trying to get to the uh, state championship game. Um, you reference Brian Kelly, who's you know, is a, is a Hall of Famer in his own right at Overland, uh, did his thing. But it was a, it was a ton of football guys and um, – but from a basketball perspective, um, it was something that, you know, obviously that I loved and I wanted to, to try to uh, put on for, for, for the Trailblazers as much as I could. Uh, my, my senior year, we ended up losing the East. Uh, um, J.B. Bakerstaff was on that team, mm-hmm. who's who now coaching in the league with the Cleveland Cavaliers, doing this thing there. Um, but our whole league had, had some good players. Michael Ruffin uh, mm-hmm. played at Creek. He went on to play in the league a little bit. He's now coaching in the league. Uh, Carlos Daniels was also in, in our league. He was a guy. He went to. Uh, I want to say he was at Fairview. He went on to, to play to play ball at Washington State. So that conference was, was solid in terms of putting players out. And um, and like I said, Denver was is an underrated city in terms of putting putting some talent out. And, and JB's team, you know, they had a, a few guys go play ball in in in, uh, in, uh, in college. So, but uh, Oakland, you know, it was we was always under the radar basketball wise. But you know, it was my goal and and, and our team's goal, obviously, to just always try to. Um, you know, show our respect to, 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 the, to the opponent, but also earn our respect. So that, that's, that's the way we approach the game. And you were the second class of, what, the Hall of Fame that they started, Athletic Hall of Fame that they started at Overland? I think you were class two? I was either the first or second when they first started doing it. I can't remember. I think you're right. It's probably been, uh, man, six or seven years now. Yeah. Did you go back down uh, for the induct? How did that process work? How did that go? I did go. Yeah, it was good. They did a really nice job. Uh, Coach Lowe, who was my coach, Orlandis Lowe. Yeah, Orlandis Lowe. Yeah, he was my coach. So he was there. It was great to see him. Um, Was able to get the family to go with me and that kind of thing. So it was uh, was cool. It was really cool. And they did, like I said, they did a nice job. It's, um, It's nice for them to be able to go back and be able to pay respects to to um, you know, men and women who who really who walked those hallways and, and did their thing, whether in their respective sports. So 
Um, it, I think it's, it's I think it's long overdue. Um, for sure. And not saying you know, long overdue for me, for them to induct me. That's not what I'm talking about. Just the simple fact. That, <laughs> I mean that too. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, I sound, mean, that, that, that sounded that sounded funny. <laughs> No, They're still no. running that flex. Was Orlando Slow still running that when you was playing? Absolutely. Yeah. It didn't work as well with, with my squad, Sir. Nah, but man, you came in there and ran anything other than the flex, it was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, any other sports in high school? That was it, man. I played, and honestly, in reference football, I played more football as a kid than I did uh, basketball. And I think that really um, helped me in terms of my aggression, physical play, being able to compete. Um, you know, you, you're not going to survive out on the football field if you don't do those things. Um, so I was doing that. And then I got to high school and I just chose one sport and, um, and basketball was the one, even though I, I always regret it, even to this day, I'm like, man, what would happen if I played football a little bit longer? Uh, but, but basketball, it, 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 it didn't do so bad for me. So, you know, it, <laughs> I think, it, I think it, he did all right. <laughs> did all right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, and you know, we definitely want to get into kind of like how you chose uh, Weber State, but like I know there were some steps before that. So you know, I'll let you handle that as you know as you want. But like you know, you really kind of your last two years with your you know um, your uh, what is it called um, eligibility kind of sure. finished there. Had some you know some great runs. Had a great coach that you followed from other places. But tell us how did you ultimately choose um, choose to go there? Yeah, I went JUCO first. Um, you know, Coach Lowe took us up to a, a team camp while I was still in high school after our junior year. My junior year of high school, we went up to Utah State University, played at a team camp. And then I started getting recruited by a school called College of Eastern Utah out in Price, Utah, middle of nowhere, Utah. Um, and I really developed a good relationship with the assistant coach there. His name is Juicy Cotton. I'm actually still talking to him to this day. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for for basically showing me the way in terms of how to survive a in juco basketball because that's a different animal as as, a, as, a, as itself and then uh also what it takes to get to the next level so um i went i went to, i went there first and then after my freshman year of college uh at, at ceu college of eastern utah uh, my head coach at the time guy beach went to weber state university um and and i had an opportunity to either stay at ceu and I had other schools, you know, trying to get me out of there to go, you know, to recruit or excuse me, to go and play for them my sophomore year. Ultimately, ended up doing that. I went to Salt Lake Community College. But before that season started, uh, I signed early with Weber State because uh, my, my head coach, he immediately started recruiting me to come to Weber State. Uh, I signed early, uh, had a great relationship with him. Uh, he was loyal to me, took care of me while I was a, while I was a freshman. Uh, I really enjoyed the relationship that I started to build with the head coach there at that time. Um, and and yeah, so I just signed early. My sophomore year, I ended up going going on to be a JUCO uh, All American. Um, had I not signed early, I don't I don't know that I would have went to Weber State. But having said that, I don't regret it for one second. I had a great experience, uh, great teammates, great coaches, and uh, and again, you know, it, it worked out okay. And so the uh, oh, go ahead, yeah, man. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You so it. you know, so the accolades just kind of continue, right, man? You were starting to see that kind of growth and that shine, and really people, you know, because that's the toughest thing, right? You know, all of us on this journey, um, in sports, and a lot of our listeners have gone through like, okay, in high school, and you know, maybe not coming on to your senior year, and then being late, or however that recruiting process, you know, we all have different routes. So it's dope that you know you went JUCO and and you became you know player of the year, and then like I said, you know, I know we're jumping to an endpoint, but it was definitely part of your shoot your shot moments so i want to spend some time on it is was the the mvp went in the the big east tournament game where you guys was it the the, the tournament big game sky. You guys? big sky, big sky. Tournament. Yep. well the yep. big sky tournament where you guys knocked out uh 
North Carolina, man. So, like, that just had to be just big, man. Yeah, so actually, so being a mid-major and being in the Big Sky uh, Conference, you have to win your conference tournament to get to the NCAA tournament, right? right? So we won our conference um, outright, but yet and still we, we hosted the tournament. And the guy who won uh, conference MVP for the regular season, our, my teammate, Harold Arsenal, was a phenomenal player. He ended up getting hurt um, in, in going into the Big Sky tournament. So there was a lot more on my shoulders. So I kind of assumed more of a responsibility in the team, had a, uh, you know, a couple good games. We win the Big Sky tournament. Uh, I, I am the tournament MVP. And then, then the next step was going to the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, in that first round playing against North Carolina, um, you know, it was 15 people in the world who thought we would beat them and they were in our locker room. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they were uh, a three seed. We were 14. And uh, we go on to win the game. So it was it was an unbelievable experience. Uh, the irony of it all is North Carolina was a childhood favorite team of mine. Right. Yeah, I, I, I love the Carolina Blue. Right. MJ went to Carolina, um, and then you know behind him they just kept on you know flooding the market with good players, good teams. You know Rasheed Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse. Like they they had incredible teams, um, and, and I just loved them growing up as as a kid and. Um, it was a surreal moment walking out on that floor to 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 see them down on the other end warming up, um, but you know I kind of had a chip on my shoulder that whole time. Our team did, and uh, yeah, we were able to go out there and get a win. It's funny, I, I, I get why Lavar does his uh, UNC stuff too, because I always get yeah. on him about. I mean, Duke is the the correct color blue in North Carolina, but I understand <laughs> now. I know I understand, Big Bro. I get it now. I get it. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of impressed for this. I was watching a little bit, just some highlights of that game. And I remember it as a kid, um, but kind of watching it as in preps. You guys had a, a probably like a, a real versatile style and a style that probably even fits in today's game when it comes to just breaking people down off the dribble. jump. You know what I mean? Kind of some one-on-one yeah. -on -one type of playing. You and uh, Arsenal did a lot, of, a lot of that work. Were you guys like ahead of your time, like as far as how, how basketball was played back then versus how it's played now? Yeah, I'm taking all the credit for everything that you see. In the right now. Our, our, our team, our Weber State team in 1999 started all this. <laughs> now, I, I don't know if we were ahead of our time, but we definitely caused some mismatch problems. Uh, and like I've referenced Harold Arsenault, he's an undersized four man. Um, and when we played Carolina, for example, they had, you know, seven feet, seven feet, six, ten. One of them had to guard him, and that was a problem. They, they didn't have the lateral quickness. They didn't have any of the agility that he has. They didn't have the athleticism. So he just torched them for 36 in that game. Um, and he, he was already had a, a phenomenal season. Uh, so he was a mismatch problem for them the entire time. We did have some other big guys who could step out and knock down threes. Um, and we had, you know, just tough, hard-nosed guard play. So, it, you know, put all that together, uh, they had their hands full. Yeah, it looks it looks like current player. So yeah, you can take credit for that. It looks like yeah, a current no, game. I, I take, take, go ahead and take credit for that. Uh, yeah, it'd, be, it'd be just between the three of us. <laughs> and then there was another point guard, obviously that was known for his like defense. But I, I think that was obviously you. But Ed Coda is the one that you matched up with, and I know he was yeah. known for his defense. So how uh, when did you start taking pride in the defensive end of the of the court? Yeah, being a, you know, every time I step out on the floor, I'm the smallest guy on the court. So I had to do something to separate myself and make a difference. And, and where's my advantage? And my advantage was my quickness, uh, my my build, my strength, 
and it was going to be on the defensive end first and foremost. And then, you know, I, I feel like I had a pretty good IQ offensively and, and be able to make some plays, you know, offensively as well. But in terms of setting myself apart, because even now, you know, every, everybody's working on their offensive game. Every, you know, everybody is, is good at offense in some capacity. Um, it's the guys who can get it done on both ends who you, who you really open your eyes up and like, man, that guy's getting it done on both ends. It's just, you know, just separate yourself. Um, and like I said, first and foremost, I, I'm six feet tall. So if I can't defend my position at a super high level, my, you know, my rope is going to be pretty short. I'm not going to play for very long. Um, and, I, and I figured that out pretty early on um, and, and just use some of my quickness and, and, um, and, and IQ overall to my advantage. Um, and I just embraced it, especially as I started to approach, you know, professional basketball. I knew that was really going to be uh, something that's going to keep me in the conversations of, of having a professional job. So real quick, take me behind the scenes. Uh, we we all love March Madness for its upsets. So uh, you win. Was it a Thursday or Friday that you won? And then Thursday, Thursday. So now it's it's Friday. Everybody knows who Weber State is. Everybody. I don't know if it's Google back then, but somebody looking up where. <laughs> Where, where's Weber State? They didn't get it right. Where Weber That's State right. at? Yeah, where where that at? Uh, so take, I guess, talk about after you win, how quickly life changes till you got to play again on on Saturday or Sunday. What does that look like from the 14th seed? Uh, yeah. Um, again, we had super belief in ourselves, but yet having said that, you know, once you actually do it, now your confidence goes to a whole nother level. Uh, but you know, we had some veteran leadership on that team, some some seniors and, and, and upperclassmen uh, who who really were kind of were able to write the ship in terms of, all right, hey, this, this isn't all we came here for. Let's go out and, and try to get another one. Um, so we ended up playing Florida in the, in the next game on that Saturday. So I'd say by the time we hit Saturday, we were, we, were, we were pretty locked in. Probably by the time we hit Friday, you know, with practice and film session and all that kind of stuff, we were, we were, uh, we, we finally touched ground, touched earth again, and, <laughs> you know, and, and ready to, uh, to lock in on, on Florida. And, um, man, we ended up losing a tough game to them in overtime. Uh, that was a team that had Mike Miller, Udonis Haslam, yeah. um, and and really towards the, the end of regulation had them on the ropes too. But they they hit a shot to put it in overtime, um, and then they ended up uh, I don't know beating us by five or six or something in overtime. But but uh, but yeah, we proved that we belong there. Um, by by no means were we content with winning one game, and and um, you know obviously would like to have that that Florida game back too. Ain't it crazy that UD still getting NBA checks? Now? I was about like, to say that. Like, what the, hey. that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. We just so I'm, I'm 44. I believe he's around the same age, but and uh, and uh, and he hasn't played meaningful minutes in probably six, seven years. <laughs> this um, was this was big UD. This was like left tackle UD, not the skinny one. Now, <laughs> yeah, that, it's funny you say that. Yeah, when I played against him in Florida, but man, I give him all the credit in the world because he got his body right, um, and he was a big time contributor for Florida, obviously. And then he had a phenomenal NBA career in terms. Of, I'm just talking about playing and being able to contribute. But man, that speaks to what he was been able to do in that locker room and 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 really apply, you know, his wisdom, his experience, and his his veteran leadership. To really uh, catapult this team, keeping them, keeping that team relevant, even though he's not playing meaningful, meaningful minutes, and um, you know, there's something to be said about management and and what he's been able to do even without playing. So we want transfer uh, to get into game and kind of like a little bit, I guess, of transfers. You, uh, you have a, a a notable alumni that's in the news right now in Portland that's just uh, finally requested a trade. Um, it's more about you and kind of maybe him as well. How much 
do you guys go back to doing like alumni thing? Do they reach out? Do they ask you guys back? You know, is he involved? Like, what is that, you know, tie with you guys? And, and I know that's like a whole nutshell, but if you yeah. can touch on all that. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I give a, a lot of credit to Dame. He's uh, he's done a great job. Obviously, he's the focal point and in, in, in one, one of the guys that come out of that university. Uh, go on, you know, number six pick in the draft. He's the rookie of the year and has had a phenomenal career. And he's been one of the best point guards in the game since he stepped on the floor, uh, the NBA floor. Uh, but I give him a lot of credit. He's leveraged his relationship with Adidas. Um, and the last several years he's put together, he's been able to organize uh, alumni basketball games. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't go this year, but I've gone in previous years. Oh, that's uh, dope. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, super dope where he's able to, to to reconnect with alumni. He he definitely leans on the university and, and administration there. They do a great job of reaching out to all the alumni, as many guys as they can find. And and yeah, and, and it's always a great turnout. They do it. The, the community comes out and supports it. The gym is packed. Um, the night before they do like a, a kind of like a social meet and greet, you know, all the families come out and, and, and meet and hang out and get caught up. Um, and then the game happens. And then, you know, after the game, they do have a, another little like little social, like, eat, you know, organized dinner and that kind of thing together for all the, all the players and families and that kind of thing. Um, so I give them a lot of credit for that. Um, and, and the university, you know, they, they've obviously been able to, to just jump on his coattail and he's been supportive, always comes back. A guy from Oakland, you know, he can easily just walk away from Ogden, Utah and say, hey, it was, it's been real. Uh, but but he hasn't. He, he's always come back and, and he works out with the, with the current players. And um, so give him a lot of a ton of credit for that. That's big. That's big. So, all right. Undrafted in 20, 2000, right? Yep. But had a long story career, man. So take us through the draft process. You know, you're coming out of school. Um, Kyle was rated to be drafted, right? Like, yeah. you know, pre workouts. You know, yep. it's looking good. The dream is the being realized, all the hard work you put in. You know, so tell us how, you know, draft night comes and goes, man, how that goes and then how you get selected to the first team. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's quite the process. You, you talk about the whole draft process in a nutshell. Uh, back in back then, they had three pre-draft camps. One was Portsmouth, uh, which was kind of like the under-the-radar, middle-of-the-road guys just trying to earn their spot. I was initially invited to that and, and only invited to that. So they had that Phoenix and Chicago was the big one. Uh, Phoenix was also a big one at the time. So I go to Portsmouth, make all tournament team. Now I get invited to, to Phoenix, go to Phoenix, make all tournament team. Now I get invited to Chicago to the big one. Um, so I'm like, man, you know, we just continue to grind, just trying to get to the next step, get to the next step, uh, do all that and work out for, I don't know, 10 to 15 teams or something like that, you know, Prior to the draft, they're saying middle of the first round to middle of the second round. Um, before any of this started, I was wasn't on it. I was on I was on the radar, but not necessarily in any mock drafts at all. Um, I fell victim to to watching those mock drafts and seeing my name on some of those boards. Uh, you know, like I said, middle of the first, middle of the second. Uh, I fall completely out of the draft all altogether, and uh, man, I, I cried like a baby that night. And then and then the next morning, I get up and I'm like, well, you know, I got to go prove it again. So. Um, you know, just grinded it out. Went and had a really good summer league with uh, Phoenix Suns. Uh, I signed a partial guarantee with Orlando Orlando Magic, which basically means they gave me some money um, to come into camp. I had to make the opening day roster. I get I'm there for I don't know, literally a month and a half or so, and I get all the way up until opening night. If I make opening night roster, then I'm good for the season. Uh, they cut me the day before the, the, the before the day before opening night. 
so back to the back to the nutshell, or excuse me, back to square one again. Um, so that that was kind of the 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 ebbs and flows of, of you know leading up to the draft, preparing for the draft, and then how I get my uh, first opportunity. I end up after after that happened, I end up going like at that time. Now they you know they've waited so long to, to waive me. All the other potential spots have been filled. There's no roster spots available. Um, so, you know, I had a decision to make. I could go overseas at that time or potentially jump into a minor league and look to get called up. Uh, I went with the latter, end up getting called up by the Nets. And, and, you know, ironically, where I'm born, that's where I played my first regular season NBA basketball game is in New Jersey. So it was, it, was, it was a blessing. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was cool. Like we said, man, that's perseverance for your ass, boy. Sure, because, like, sure. you know, when you get it knocked never, out. It like, never stopped for 12 years. There's more of that in between there. <laughs> well, so, uh, well, was G League? My fault. It was a G League established then, or how did that, like, minor league process work? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, at that time, it, 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 um, it kind of was introduced as the D League, the developmental league. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then they changed it up. Gatorade, I think, came in. Uh, but then it was so it turned into the G. But um, about midway through my career, it was the D League. But prior to that, uh, in terms of minor leagues, the CBA was was was, mm. the, was, the, was the big one. The CBA was there. ABA had a league. Uh, there was another one called IBL. Matter of fact, they had a team in Vegas. I played I on that. Say, team. Hey, you, you had some time in Vegas for the the, yeah. silver, was the silver Stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and that team folded. Um, <laughs> And it's an arena football team now or a hockey team. Oh, that Silver Stars logo just go with everybody. I mean, <laughs> it's out here, man. I forgot. I forgot what our. Uh, I forgot what we were. To be honest, with you. no, we were the Bandits actually. Oh, was it the Bandits? Okay, it was Las Vegas Bandits. Hey, yeah. that's that that's too. That's one B. <laughs> that's I'm that's sure the Vegas. Bandits are arena football league team or something. That, that team. Des- that team deserved to fold after being. <laughs> <Vegas Bandits. laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I ended up getting getting called up by the Jersey Nets that year. So, um, so yeah, so that was kind of again that was my first uh, meaningful regular season minutes in uh, in the NBA games with the Jersey Nets. So nice, so cool to go back home. So spent some time with some different teams, right? Like, how did you kind of like build the relationships? I guess we'll go with the Pacers, but like you know, you were with the Bucks. You know, um, you did some time with just several other teams, but sure. how did you solidify like your relationship that you have as with, with the Pacers, right? Cause you live in Indiana still, right? Currently That's right, right. Now, with yep. your family and things. So how did that become home base? You know, as you were kind of traveling through college and your, your um, pro career, cause you played overseas too, right? So how did that become home base? That's right. Yeah. So I got here and it was probably, I don't know the, um, it was actually the third team that I've been on. Um, you know, to playing for the Nets, the Grizzlies, uh, actually the fourth team, to play the Nets, the Grizzlies, uh, the Blazers, and then here. Okay. You know, some of that stuff is all in the same year. <laughs> but um, but at the time, uh, our kids were, were young. They were just about to enter into, you know, school age. And uh, we didn't really want to have them bouncing around, you know, all over the place, going from this city to that city, going to this country to that, to that country, you know. Um, you know, we, we, we loved our, the, our house. We loved our neighborhood. K- kids made friends um, and everything, you know, and the, their school was great. Um, so we just settled in like, you know, probably six to seven, eight months or something. After my first year with the patient, we were like, well, this is going to be home regardless yeah. of what happened. You know, oh, no. no matter what happens, this is going to be home. Even after my second year, uh, this will be home base and, you know, raise the kids here and, and um, 
you know, and, and, it, and it worked out. They, they've, they flourished here in great schools um, and, and, and did well. Like I said, got here when they were four and two and they're now 23 and 21. So um, people don't understand how much uh, Indy is a sports city, right? Like, I mean, yeah, you know, it's a sports culture, not just only with the, you know, basketball and football. I mean, the Indy collegiate sports, you know, there are housed yeah. there. Um, so it's definitely, you know, a really great sports town and just a city in the community. I mean, Mitch, you spent some time there as well. Yeah. And the, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, like you said, you got the Pacers, you got the Colts, they got a minor league baseball team here. Uh, cost of living is reasonable. Um, you can get around the city pretty easy. Um, it, they, they, comp- they complain about traffic here, but they, <laughs> those are only people that are born and raised here. They, they, <laughs> Yeah. What traffic? Man. That's, what right. traffic? <laughs> That's right. But uh, uh, I've been here too long because I find myself complaining about it here lately. How <laughs> <laughs> they got you, right? It's like here in Vegas, man. They always complain about parking, right? And never enough place to park. But uh, right. all right. So uh, giving a shout out to our Knucklehead podcast, people, one of the people we kind of, you know, started watching as we were developing our concept. And one of the things is they always ask is who busts your ass? All right. Can you give us someone in the league during your time that just did you remember like, oh, that moment, he got me? <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna say nobody just bust my ass. I like that. This is the Hall of Famer. Two time yeah. Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm gonna foul out the game before that happens. But, <laughs> But but I will say, uh, and my kids, they still to this day, you know, find find moments to poke me about this. Um, AI hit his first ever game winner on me. Um, I think it was matter of fact. I think we were in Philly. Yeah, it was in Philly because the crowd erupted. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, so he hit a he hit a game winner on me. And um, but he was a problem though. That like he was a, a major problem. Um, he he didn't get a. I think he gets he gets some credit, but he he needs probably to get a little bit more for what. He's a guy who's responsible for a little bit of the evolution of the game and uh, and style of play and aggression and just playing with, you know, ultra confidence and uh, and super talented. Eddie, I need need, need your expertise on this, man. This happened on live show. I'm ready. I'm glad you brought it up because I was damn sure going to break the shit up. Yeah, we had had an interesting debate about uh, (laughs) James Harden and uh, Allen Iverson. I don't know if it's blasphemy. I think James Harden... Whatever you say Allen Iverson is, I, I, I say James Harden is now and better. That's what I would say. So from your expertise perspective, and you played against AI, obviously, yep. what, what, what's the comparison? Do you think there's a comparison there? Can we give James Harden some love? What's what's the compare? Is there a comparison? No, the, now, I'm going to say, now we asking who's the better player? Yeah. Okay. Let's make it now, just plain and black and white. I'll, pre- I'll preface it with this. James Harden, one of the best one-on-one players to play I mean, the game ever. ever. Now, having Ever. said that, if, 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 <laughs> now if you and now, but now having said that, if you ask me uh, to, if, if you know, we we playing we playing a game, if you got to pick one of these guys and both of them in their prime, give me AI. And and I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that because AI is going. Not only is he going to get it done offensively, I'm always thinking about the other end of the floor. Like James has zero interest in what's going on down there. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> um, he got he got no he got no interest in what's going on down there. Now I will say this though, he's super he's super crafty, so he'll come up with like timely steals. He'll draw a charge here and there. But if it's just flat out, hey, I need you to go stop that guy, keep him in front of you. Nah, he's not doing that. Yeah, we got we got you and PJ Tucker to do that. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> we got the mother folks to do that. All right, so the two thousand. <laughs> 
no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a James Harden fan. Low, low yeah. He gets to me, he gets disrespected when we talk about all time folks. We all go back to like, oh, he don't do that in the playoffs. I'm like, hey, yo, this dude is, his numbers are crazy. Like, come on, let's, yeah. let's not be disrespectful. Uh, nah, yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah, he's 100 like one of the best all time one on one scores. Like, you can't do anything with him, especially Houston, Houston James Harden. Definitely Houston James Harden. I don't know about this Philly James Harden. He took he got to put he got that fat suit on again. He got to take it off. <laughs> uh, anyway, so 04, 05 Pacer season. I got to I got to touch on it. Um, we know some incidents happened in uh, the Palace of Auburn Hills. So if you could touch on that uh, about yeah. the Malice in the Palace and then just that season. There's been so many stories. Stephen Jackson swear y'all was going to win the championship that year. Uh, just so just just let's talk to me a little bit about that season and the behind the scenes of that. Yeah, man, it was a wild time. Uh, you know, in that in that game, well, leading up to that game, we're we're pounding everybody. And, and in that and in that game, the defending champs, Detroit Pistons, they get they're getting pounded. Um, so I would agree with this. Jet now, obviously it was still early in the season. Everybody's got to stay healthy, but if everyone stays healthy on that team, um, there's no way to predict hate for sure, but without a doubt, it's a championship caliber team. Um, it was a team that was going to compete for it and to get out of the East. Um, you know, I always say a lot, a lot has to happen for you to, to go win a championship. That didn't just happen. Um, but we, we definitely were one of the top, you know, three or four teams in the league. And at that time, we were probably the best team in the league. Um, Jermaine O'Neal was the best power forward in the league. At that time, Ron Artest was probably the best three man in the league. Steven Jackson was one of the, the, the toughest guys at the two, score, defend. Um, you know, Reggie, Reggie was still there. So we, yeah, we had a crew. Um, yeah, but the whole situation, the whole melee was <laughs> something like you've never seen before. Something that I've never experienced. Never it. it was Ben's fault, wasn't it? <laughs> he had them, had them headbands on his arm. Hey, he, he's not, he not, now I will say he's not responsible for uh, us being in the stands. But but he definitely was salty that they was getting beat down and Ron wasn't going to allow him to get an easy dunk. So Ron, Ron was going off. Pretty, Ron was in his head, boy. Yeah, I mean Ron was. It was. I mean it was a hard foul, but it, it wasn't. I mean I think he was more frustrated about you know the other stuff. Um, you know I, I won't speak for him. I, you know I don't know, but but we see that type of, that type of stuff happen since the beginning of time in game. You know guys get you know get fouled hard. They go at each other. You know, refs call it double technical fouls and everybody going about their business. But, you know, obviously it took another turn. <laughs> Not in today's NBA. You can't even breathe in the wrong direction without getting uh, technical and get kicked out. No, it slowly but surely is, is gravitated, which I understand that they want to clean the game up. Uh, and some of the things that we look at is like, really, does that guy deserve a technical foul for that? Or, you know, for looking at a guy or talking trash or, you know, some of it is uh, is a bit petty. And But, you know, it's never going to be perfect. And, you know, you got they're just trying to figure out a way uh, to, to keep the product clean and, and keep it, you know, something that the fans want to keep coming back to see. Absolutely. That was an interesting time in the league, man, because I think the scores then were in 80s to 70s was the final score. And, it, you know, it wasn't like you were scoring 110, 120 points a game. That was a every Defense. possession, like, mattered. Yeah, there's no, a different yeah, time no, in the league. no question about it. Yeah, right now these guys are crossing half and just letting it go. Like, <laughs> no, you know, nobody was doing that. You know, that that was that'd get you sat down. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, you know, back in the day we're coming down, running some offense. Like, like we had Jo on the team. We needed Jo had to touch the ball in the post for good reason. Um, 
and and now you know, like I said, guys are coming across half, or it's one pass and, a guy, and jacking up a shot. Um, so you know, not saying one style is better than another; it's just the evolution of the game. Um, yeah, but yeah, for sure, it's funny you say that. I, I for like the third or fourth time, I'm watching the Last Dance again, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, and I'm looking at some of those scores in the '90s. I'm like, what, eighty to seventy-eight? <laughs> like these guys, you know, sometimes we got that at, at halftime. <laughs> in, in today's game so um but yeah it's the evolution of the game so really quick you know i don't want to because this is all about what's prepared you and, and what's you know kind of given a uh, testament to your journey man so overseas you know you, you played a couple spots overseas is there one spot that was more memorable or that you had the most fun or that was like just the worst spot that you're like oh that was hell right like you know because i think you played um, in the um, Italian lead, uh, did Russia, yep. Russia maybe was one of them. Yep. A couple, but is there one that just really stood out for you and that you just enjoyed or just said, heck no, I would never go back to that shit? Yeah, the best experience out of all of them and probably the least amount of money that I made uh, in all those different experiences was the last the last season I played was in Australia. Um, and, really? And the reason being is my entire family went with me. We all, we all went. You know, mm-hmm. kids went kids went to, went to school. We were all there, had a condo on the beach. Like, mm-hmm. it was amazing. Um, and, 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 you know, we're there for seven, eight months. We left Indianapolis right before the winter hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> and, 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 came, and came back right right before the summer started. So it was beautiful to, to, to leave. You know, I don't know if you've seen the winter in Indianapolis. It's not great. Um, and yeah, so, <clears throat> so, so that was probably the best experience, and more so just because they were there with me. Um, and then, you know, I, I, the worst experience where I, and if you're just looking at just financially where I made the most money internationally anyway, um, and the most challenging experience, I won't say the worst because there were definitely some positives about it. And I was on a good basketball team and everything, but the most challenging may have been Russia, um, which is from an international perspective. You talk about financially, that's where I made the most Australia, I made the least, and it was a better experience if that makes sense to you. Not hundred percent. It's not total, always about the money. Yeah, <laughs> total, exactly. total sense. Total yeah, sense. no question. Yeah, 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 sometimes it's not all about the Benjamins. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to touch on this. I don't, I don't know if we'll get to it with some of the other things, but I didn't want to lose track of it. Uh, you have uh, athletic uh, children, obviously, and you know they've made it to the next level in their perspective sports as well. So talk about this part of Eddie Gill of being a father and seeing them in their athletic journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was, that's the, the greatest gift of all being able to like, people ask me how it was it tough when I, when I stopped playing, uh, like, yeah, I missed the competition. I missed, I missed the camaraderie of a team and that kind of thing. But, uh, I, I was at a point where I was not going to miss any more of, of their anything, <laughs> what, no matter what, no matter what it was. So I, I, in my opinion, I've stopped playing where at a time where I feel like I had more in the tank and I wanted to continue to go play. I could have done that. Uh, but I stopped and, um, and athletically, yeah, they're both gifted. Uh, their mother will tell you that she's responsible for all of it. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, so they both were able to go on and earn uh, earn scholarships, uh, both academically and um, athletically. So incredibly proud of them and, and what they were able to accomplish. But yeah, just being able to go watch them was 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 far uh, greater than me going out and playing myself. Yeah, and we're definitely going to get into that, you know, if you want to touch more on that once we get into the winner's circle. But uh, you kind of mentioned that's kind of uh, one of your prerequisites in another uh, role that you do with the Pacers currently, right? So you are um, um, an, uh, 
analysis for uh, the post and pre-show for uh, Fox Sports. Right? Is it still with Fox Sports? You so, know, they moved to the Valley. It was Fox Sports, now, but now it's, so it's not the Valley. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, you took that role, man. Tell us about, um, well, one, you said, hey, I could, I'll do this, but I'm not missing yep. <laughs> any of my kids' stuff, man. So yep. how was kind of getting asked or, or, or you know, finding that opportunity, man? How, how, was, how did that kind of start? Um, and, yeah. and tell us what it means to you, man. Yeah, man, it was, it was honestly something I thought about in the back of my mind, you know, throughout my playing career, because you see a lot of players go back and transition into they're either coaching or they try to do some TV or radio and that kind of thing. I didn't necessarily pursue that at all. Uh, when I when I first retired and that kind of thing, and um, but I still stayed engaged with the patients, did some community work, and you know, do some some volunteering and that kind of thing. And uh, man, just out the blue, uh, the, the VP of broadcasting, Jamie Burns, you know, forever indebted to him and grateful, uh, just called me out the blue and said, "Hey, you want to come do some TV with us?" And um, and I was like, "Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, sure, let's let me tell me more." So we talked about it a little <laughs> bit, and I'm like, "Well, first, first, there's there's a couple things." Um, I have a real job, so it can, and, and uh, what I, you know, what I call a real job is, you know, referenced it earlier, being a lead advisor, a financial advisor, I've been doing that for, for nine years now. Uh, I said, it can't have any um, detraction or it can't take away from that. And then maybe even bigger than that, if the Pacers have a game the same night, my, my kids have a game because they're playing ball at the same time, then I'm going to my kids game. Um, and he's like, well, he's like, not a problem with that. He's like, we're just hoping that you could do maybe at minimum, maybe 30 games or so. Um, we looked at the schedule and, and uh, you know, we were able to make work it out to where I didn't miss any of my kids games uh, while they were playing uh, middle school and high school at that time. Um, and man, here we are seven years later now of doing that as well. So it's, it's wild. It's wild. And, and in that time, won an Emmy. So it's just like things you don't expect. It's just. Oh, yep. That was the next question. So tell us what the project was. Emmy, like how, I mean, that's a dope, that statue is just, you know, yeah. especially kind of when you're not in that kind of, lane right where you start off and so to to be in that you know yeah I, as it may said iconic kind of category talk yeah. to us about that man uh yeah another surreal moment um you know i spent 12 years and you know really go go back into college 16 years going to high school uh, another four i spent 20 years chasing championships uh you know trying to win championships uh, you know at my respective sport uh and and nonetheless one that i never saw coming uh, you know, I look at that Emmy as a, as a championship of, of sorts, right? Um, and, and I was really bad early on when I first started doing this, and, and they had patience with me, and um, I improved and, and just tried to get better. And, and even now, I still, you know, screw things up all, you know, all the time. Sometimes the, the viewer may or may not know um, when, when, when we're doing live TV and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I was able to, to walk away with an Emmy through the whole experience, and, and it was just – it, it was great. So um, got one and, 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 you know, maybe, maybe we'll get some more down the line. There it is. I love it. Um, MH, ready for them quick hits? Yes, sir. So Eddie, just is some couple questions to get to know you kind of better uh, for our listeners, man. So first time if ever you've been starstruck. First time without a doubt, Muhammad Ali. Um, oh. We, we were, we was were playing for the Pacers. We just, just got back from shoot around, uh, and Beverly Hills, Wilshire, we're, we're walking up the stairs and, and lo and behold, he comes walking out the door. And, uh, and you know, I've been around him, you know, so obviously that was probably the one. And I've been around some other quote unquote stars as well. Uh, shout out to five or let's say two of your favorite teammates. Two of my favorite teammates, uh, man, probably um, 
I'm going to go Brevin Knight, who's, who's a cousin of mine at Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, we, at the time, he was a vet. He's my older older cousin. He was a, and I got matter of fact, I got called up in part because he was hurt, and I, they ended up signing me for the rest of the year while he was hurt. So it was uh, that was a really good experience. And then um, I'm gonna stay at the point guard position, uh, being being the point that I was when I was in Portland. Uh, Damon Stoudemire was good to me um, in, in terms of you know my growth on the court. Mighty Mouse, Mighty Mouse. Give me your five, because uh, you were you were uh, you talked about both ends of the court. So five defensive point guards today and uh, even in your yesterday, who would you have as five your top five defensive point guards? Wow, that's gonna be tough to name five. My my memory is bad like that right on the spot. <laughs> well, do maybe three. Give us three. We'll give you three. Yeah. Oh, I can tell you, Drew Holiday for sure is probably at the top of that. Okay. Uh, Drew Holiday for sure. Um, and defensive point guards, uh, we can throw, um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I'm about to come back to that. I got you. I'm about to come ne- back to that. All right. On Netflix. Are you a movie guy? Or are you like the, the series guy? Man, I'm neither. I watch basketball and football. <laughs> <laughs> Love However, <laughs> however one of the best series of all time to me is The Wire. Oh, we can go back and I could every now and then I just go back and watch The Wire. <laughs> yeah. Keep it, keep it. Yeah. So if you're talking about just series, uh, yeah, The Wire, and then you know I say that now again, basketball, football is primarily what I'm watching year round, and in the summertime I don't watch anything, um, except for you know now they got you know the WNBA, so I watch that. Uh, a little bit, and then I'll watch some summer league games and stuff stuff like that. But, um, yeah, every once in a while, I'll throw in some series and and, and, uh, and, and catch some movies. All right, so I have a quick hit while uh, MH is uh, getting everything. You know, you got to be prepared for that, like like live, live TV. Um, yep. Really quick for you is um, you had a couple of different numbers. Was there any reasoning behind the numbers you had, right? Like, and I don't remember them. I'm sorry. I think like four, six, eight, then you did four. 44. Like, yeah. you know, you doubled it up. Was there any reasoning for the different uh, the different numbers you chose? Low man on the totem pole. <laughs> so like four, four is okay. my preferred number. Four, four, four is, my preferred is a preferred number. number. Yeah, anytime I, anytime I get my hands on four, that's it. Like okay, there these other numbers don't exist in my world. To be honest with you, <laughs> uh, I love it. Four is the number. These other ones. Now, if I had gotten, if like if I was getting called up, you know, it's it's almost you know I got called up from wherever, or I signed late, and obviously you know there's a roster in place sometimes, and it, you know the numbers are accounted for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got to a couple places. Four was retired, so I just you know I'm like whatever, give me anything. Um, um, but I did like single-digit numbers if I could. Um, but yeah, when I was in Milwaukee, uh, four. I think I can't remember who had four at the time. Someone, someone had already had it. And I'm like, well, give me forty-four. Forty-four. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, but yeah, like. but um, but yeah, in, in real life, four is the only number that even matters to me. There it is. Um, as a point guard, man, you know, like a lot of people, you know, this is a question we ask. At, I'm, we're just so excited about so many other things. I don't know why we didn't get this question out. But um, 
who did you kind of mirror your game from or like take different pieces of like you like, OK, like I want this on the defensive side, you know, is coming up and, you know, I want this as far as like my handling and things like that. Who would you say you mirrored like some of your game after? Yeah, as a kid, I, I loved Isaiah Thomas. Ah, yo. Yeah, OK. I, I loved Isaiah Thomas, at, you know, at the point you talk about your straight point guard. Um, by the time Magic was towards the end of his career, you know, I was I was still super young when he was playing. Mm -hmm. um, but I recognize that he's probably the, the, the best uh, point to play the position, um, if not one of them, for sure. But in terms of somebody that I really was like, man, he's got it. Um, I, def I, I loved watching Isaiah Thomas play. That's dope. Yeah. Any last any last ones, MH, for your quick hits? Yeah, my bad. Uh, Pop the trunk production here. Uh, <laughs> uh give me a give me the best because you played at utah park back in uh yes in sir Aurora, right right yes, sir. i know there were some they don't even they took the hoops down man so does it compare to no anything way. east coast do they does it does utah park compare to anything east coast i never played pickup east coast no no, no. first of all that's it's catastrophic that they took those baskets down. Boy, they took the hoops down, man. They that, that's so crazy. <laughs> they got they got some tennis courts there, but they took the yeah. Well, they playing tennis and pickleball over there now. Yeah, oh, that's, they, I'm gonna that I play pickleball and shit. That's some bull. <laughs> that, oh man, that's a shame. Does uh, it compare I, at all? Because I know there were some decent runs. Yeah, look, I, I'm 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 so distraught. I can't even answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, uh, to end. <laughs> To, to answer your question, I, uh, I'm partial. I'm partial to, to to the East Coast and Jersey in terms of basketball and pickup runs, for sure. Uh, I, I would say that it, it was um, it was another level there. Um, then you had the you know the, the the New York City influence there, right there also. That whole tri-state area, um, you know. We talk about New York, Jersey, PA. Um, yeah, all, all of that I would say is is another level. Yeah, I tried. I tried, Denver. I tried. <laughs> I, tried. <laughs> I, had I still love him, though. <laughs> love it. I still love him, though. Like, like, hey, and they had one of the best point guards come out of that city, too. Like, Chauncey, you know, put it down for Denver. So, uh, you know, much love for to, to, to what he was able to do. There it is. All right. So, jumping into the winner's circle, um, you know, this is where we talk about what you're promoting and what you're doing now. Um, you know, just with I think it's really important what you're doing um, from a financial space for especially for our culture and then to put a double stamp on that for our culture and uh, the sports culture. Right. Like these are two places that really need that help. So like you kind of mentioned, I think you said nine years, maybe nine plus years you've been in the financial industry. And like I said, I think now are you currently with uh, Northwest Mutual right now? Or are you with another? Right. Firm? OK, so. Yeah. So tell us about like your day to day. And, and like, I love that you, you said your mission, you know, is to help every client, you know, kind of come with, you know, strong financial advice, create a strong por portfolio, but to ultimately just give them a plan and a roadmap. So man, how did you yeah. kind of come, come, you know, to wanting to get in that and give us like what your day to day is now? Yeah. So ultimately, yeah, so I'm, I'm just kind of giving the title. I'm lead advisor at Wise Financial at Northwestern Mutual. It's a private entity uh, under Northwestern Mutual, Northwestern Mutual umbrella. Uh, Mark Wise, our president and CEO, um, uh, brought me aboard about a little more than four and a half years ago now. I uh, started out at Wells Fargo Advisors. I was there for four and a half years prior to making the move, so a little more than nine altogether in the industry. Um, 
But as a player, while I was playing, had my own financial uh, financial successes and failures. Watch my teammates have their own financial successes and failures, and, and meanwhile, we all quote unquote have a financial advisor. Um, so it was it was something that um, was I thought about then, and, and now have a passion around you know being able to not only be able to provide the service, but also being able to say, hey, I sat in that seat when, when I'm when I'm speaking to a uh, prospective professional athlete, um, it, but by no means is that our only uh, segment of people or network of uh, target market that we work with. It's a number of different people that we work with. And, and you referenced, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the culture in, in our, in our culture, culture in terms of uh, minority led cultures and communities oftentimes box out of this conversation or not, or don't have the education or don't have the access or don't understand it. Uh, so since we don't have those things, we become fearful and not trusting and just, just, just overall neglect the conversation altogether. Um, so it's, it's been a passion of mine to be able to, to share some of these messages. Uh, so we do have an understanding because ultimately, um, if I'm able to share it with, with, with whomever the, the individual may be, my goal is for one day them to get down the line and share it to somebody behind them coming up. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of talk about legacy and, and generational wealth and, and some of those, uh, those hot topics. But, you know, those are real things that, that can really be established regardless of your circumstance. You don't have to be a professional athlete uh, to, to set yourself up for, you know, the, the now and the near future and especially down the line because uh, we're all going to wake up one day and be 65, 70 years old and, and we're going to say, man, do I still have to go to work? Uh, and, 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 and we all would like to say no. <laughs> We'd like to be able to, to retire with some integrity on our own terms. Uh, and, and if you want to work part-time or have passive income, then great. But if you're able to do some things early on to set yourself up for the future to where that's an option for you and not a requirement, uh, then all the better. Um, and that's something that's, that's super important to me uh, with each and every individual that I'm working with. That's so big, man. Yeah. I feel like in like today's world, although we have more access to information, we're so much ingrained into what's going on now, just with social media, just how our life works. We're like instantaneous. Yeah. How do you break down the wall of, I guess, thinking to, to get to clients to kind of think of finances long term and not just kind of check the check? You know what I mean? I, I think that would be a, a wall for a yeah. lot of different people. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's about habits, right? And the, the more you can create those good habits earlier on, um, the better. Because uh, to your point, yeah, if you just uh, create a habit of, you know, money comes in, money goes out, then it's just hard to, it's just hard to stop that. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a lifestyle that you've created for yourself and you just don't want that to stop. But again, you know, wake up and be 70 one day and, and you don't have the energy or the know-how to accumulate the money that you were making when you were 30. Right. So now your, your production is down, you know, your salary is inevitably going to be down. Now your lifestyle isn't what it once was, um, but you still have to work just to keep the lights on. Um, so just being able to convey that message uh, and understanding the importance of, uh, of planning is, 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 you know, supreme. You know, the, the planning is, is super important. Uh, making goals, financial goals, family goals, whatever those may be, uh, because they all coincide. You know, they all coincide and just being able to convey those messages. And that's really big, man. So a couple of things stuck out to me just just as you were answering that. Right. And it's like habits. Right. Like building those habits. And you had to have that core to have that successful career in the NBA, because any professional sports, it's a really small percentage of people to get that. And so if you didn't have those habits and determination to set those practices in place, 
to build those foundations, a lot of those adversities or challenges, because you can look at, you know, financial freedom or things as a goal, right, that has challenges, right, because we only make a certain amount each paycheck, right, and you have to have those habits um, in place and and just kind of um, um, kind of skill set set for you to, to, to kind of have a successful game plan. So that's that's really yeah. dope. Yeah, no now, question. Now, what would be for our novice, right, like that want to get into, you know, setting a better financial plan from what is what is I would say one, the first step or like a mini step we could do. And then second would be, is there a book podcast or somewhere that, you know, we could get that? Cause I think MH mentioned it, um, uh, is trust is one of our biggest things that we may have. And I think you mentioned as well, but trust, especially from our cultural standpoint is one of the biggest hurdles that we have as well. Yeah. I'm not sure. If, uh, shoot, there's several books out there. Um, but, nothing specific or, or, or podcast that I can think of at, okay. at the moment, but, but ultimately, um, you know, just establishing, you know, what's a non-negotiable expense, right? Obviously, you know, things that you have to have, whether it's rent, mortgage, lights, you know, you got a car payment, you know, all those types of things. Just establishing a, a you know, a budget is, uh, is first and foremost, figuring out what the surplus is. And, and then again, find somebody, uh, who you do trust a professional, um, that you can have a conversation with and, and, um, and, you know, talk to a few different people Doesn't necessarily have to be the first, you know, first person that you, that you Google, or, you know, if you ask somebody just by word of mouth, you can definitely do that to just get some, some references and referrals. But, um, at the end of the day, try to build a rapport, build some, some, uh, relationship with, with, with a trusted advisor, um, and, and kind of go from there, um, in, in terms of what makes sense and what doesn't, but always like people I'm working with, I'm always like you, whether you want to or not, you will have a fundamental understanding of what we're doing, right? Because, uh, you know, a lot of times I have been fortunate enough to earn the trust of a client and they're like, hey, I just, you know, tell me what to do. We'll do it and move on. You know, I, I don't need to necessarily uh, be an expert at this, which is true. Uh, you don't have to be an expert at it, but I, it's a goal of mine to make sure they got a fundamental understanding of, of what we're doing and, and keep that, that same type of education uh, going at all times. So obviously, I think it's important to start early because I think we talk about financial literacy and advising once you come up with some money, whether it's an athlete, whether you got the promotion on the job it's like, oh, I got ten thousand more dollars. Maybe I need to figure out how to work this. Well, you probably should have had your habits from the get go. So do you do you work with clients at the beginning before they really come on some money or is it more like, hey, I got some money now I need a financial advisor? No, no. Start early. It's, it's as early as possible, like for even. You know, my, my total reference, my kids, they're in their 20s, they don't have any money. And and, I, and I'm talking to them all the time about doing stuff, right, and starting stuff. And, and they've been able to do that um, with, with a little bit of money that they, they make. They both have jobs and that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think it's all relative. You know, we, we can all do something in some capacity. Cause, and that's one of the biggest misconceptions is, you know, someone's like, well, you know, I'm not making, you know, a half a million dollars a year or whatever the case may be, or I'm not making whatever, whatever six figure, whatever number they think is some absorbent amount of money. They say they're not making it. So it's like, oh, well, what can I do? Well, there's a, a lot of things you can do to, to start just to set yourself up. It's all relative and, and it's always um, you, you always have an opportunity to to set yourself up from an investment standpoint and then also from a risk management standpoint. So um, there's definitely things that that people can do regardless of their circumstance and, and um, in, in terms of their salary. Is there anything you think that came from your time just playing professional basketball 
that helps you into this role that you're in today? Um, yeah, probably my successes and failures, you know, and, and probably more so, my, you know, things that my missteps or the things that I was uh, frivolous with in terms of um, getting things that I didn't need to do. Even today, and even today, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm like, well, that, you don't need to do that. Like, well, you know, well, you know, why are you doing that? Um, so I think that's that's one of the biggest things. Experiences our greatest teacher, um, and, they, and even trying to learn from other people's mistakes as well um, has has been has been helpful as well. Just uh, learning from those and seeing where, where you can improve. Awesome. Yeah. One thing that you touched on was your, your kids and starting them right now early while, you know, they're, they're not making a lot of money. Um, but sometimes I think when it comes to finances, family is probably the hardest thing to kind of work through. And, yeah. uh, you know, I know you've done a huge job because most of your family now are, you know, there are a lot of them are in Indiana. I think that's really dope. Um, yeah. So how was that process getting your family? Like, Hey guys, here's the foundation of how we want to, move forward yeah it was um you know just you know as i studied more about this and as i started to 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 understand you know just the financial world and so it was like man, i just feel it's my duty to to pass this on that's what i mentioned earlier like as i'm talking to people i want them to pass it on to their kids or their siblings or whoever else and just just spread this information and access and education is, is i think it's super important um you know thinking about growing up, the only time I, I talked about money in, in our house is when we talked about we didn't have any. <laughs> like, like we, we weren't talking about, uh, you know, putting money away in, in retirement plans. We weren't talking about, you know, permanent life insurance. We weren't talking about Roth IRAs. We weren't, uh, I didn't, these are all foreign topics to me, um, which is, you know, which is fine, you know, as long as we're able to, you know, open up and, and, and be able to be, grasp some of these concepts and see where it could be, you know, kind of interjected into our own personal lives. But um, yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of my situation, I, it was super important to me once I was educated on what this world was about in terms of saving, budgeting, investing, protecting yourself. Um, you know, it was, it was constant conversations with my kids about this, uh, you know, even when they were in their teens. And like I said, now they're, they're in their early 20s, 23, 21. But um, and even still try to talk to them as much as possible so they're, they're able to, to to make, you know, wise decisions for themselves. And, um, you know, once they once they get down the line, they, they have a lot more um, disposable assets available to them. Like it. All right. So we're wrapping up here, man. We want to definitely thank you. So this is a part of the show we like to call the assist. So, you know, um, being a point guard, you know, you know a little something about the assist there. Um, this is where you would give. Um, like maybe a quote to your younger self, you know, a message to the people, maybe even a financial quote, maybe, maybe lead these people, um, our guests off with the rule of 72, anything that you want to share. Um, that's just kind of like a word of wisdom or a coaching gym. Oh man. Um, I think one that applies to the financial services industry, but also I think applies to just life. Um, so ROI return on investment, um, you know, thing, what, what we're able to put into something that, you know, is, is what ultimately we, we want to come out on the opposite end of even more, right? So the work that we put into whatever our per personal craft is, whatever the, the, in terms of your finances, whatever investment that you initially make, what's that return on that investment? Um, I think that's something that's, that's, that's super important and, and being able to, um, to do that at a super high level. Again, whether it's the work that you put in or also actual, uh, dollars that you're putting into something or any sort of investment, you know, 
what does that look like? And, and, and the risk reward being able to weigh that, uh, weigh that out. Um, my, my grandmother told me a long time ago, if you want anything, you don't have to risk a little bit. Um, you have to, you want to put, put some risk into it. So, um, I think that, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things for me is just, uh, that ROI and, and what that all entails. I like it. MH, you got some final thoughts for us, man? Nah, to to the Eddie Gill, as my <laughs> as my the big bros would say, man. Uh, we appreciate your time, man. It's you're one of those prime examples of you kind of never know who's watching you type of thing. And uh, I was a classic little brother, so I remember your name growing up a lot. But to see you putting on uh, for for Ovalin and all the yeah. success you've had in professional, and then obviously shout out to Lavar. He's 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 good people as well, man. Uh, it's dope, man. So I appreciate your time. That's love. That's love. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And while we continue with the shout outs, we want to give Rodney Arnett a shout out too. thank you for him. Um, yeah. If you need some tickets over there, uh, some premium tickets, contact Rodney Arnett over there at the Pacers. He's doing big things. But are some notes are some notes. He hitting those notes. <laughs> Hey, hey, yeah, that's the secret time. I was gonna put him on front street, but you need him to sing at your bar mitzvah wedding or whatever. He <laughs> hitting the nose, national anthem. You know, he, he can put it e down. Flat, e flat, I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, but Eddie, man, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for making time, and we know you're a busy man with with some of the stuff. We didn't even get to all of the stuff. I mean, you're still yeah. out there coaching. You know, you, you, you just the, the literally stuff, the stuff with your kids. Your kids are doing amazing things. But, man, we yeah. just really want to take the time and say thank you. Anytime you got anything big news, however we can support um, on this podcast, we'd love to have you. Maybe you can get us on a live show since you agree with uh, MH that um, Harden is better than uh, Iverson. Yeah, right, no, 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 I just said it. No, no, I said he's better. I said he's good. <laughs> No, you you said better. I thought we heard better. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, I'm just I'm just joking with you, man. Please feel free to jump on a live show, man. Uh, and like I said, hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this show as much as we enjoyed this, man. This is kind of what we do, man. Just bringing you uh, people that have um, you know done amazing things and broke through. Um, and, and just leading the light, man. So please, 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 uh, we drop a new show every Thursday. So subscribe uh, on our YouTube because we know visual representation matters. And then also, man, we're everywhere you listen to podcasts. So, you know, even if you tell your Alexa, play black and sports, she'll do it for you. Um, other than that, man, please, please stay safe, practice gratitude, and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming you're rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spam out to racks on handmade new rags. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back.